Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Event Industry News podcast. I am Adam Perry, editor at Event Industry News. And today I am joined by Molly Falco, Director of Marketing at Swoogo. Molly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Adam. It's great to be here. Molly, for those that aren't aware of, of Swoogo, can you do me the, the, the quick hit introduction? What does Swoogo do and how does it do it? Yeah, absolutely. So Swugo is a uh, event registration and marketing platform. Uh, we've been around for about seven years now. Uh, Swugo was founded by uh, two founders who had actually previously been in the space uh, with combined space experience of you know a couple of decades, uh, and decided to create this amazing product that was easier to use and more flexible and a little bit more upfront than some of the other platforms that we had seen on the market. Uh, and that's where Swugo comes in with you know, full-scale, unlimited, conditional logic registration, uh, DIY event websites, and uh, some really cool marketing features like tracking and analytics and email marketing. So you're like a real powerhouse of, of technologies and suites of technologies that really help empower, I suppose, event organizers, event marketers to, to do their job. Yeah. Easier, better? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we had seen, uh, you know, I use the Imperial we here, obviously, I was not part of this, but Leonora Valvo, our founder, had seen uh, a lot of the larger registration platforms sort of creating headaches for planners as they use them. Uh, and she wanted to create something that was so straightforward. Her whole ethos uh, through building Sugo has been to uh, make everything as easy as possible and and really user side friendly. So you don't need to have someone on the tech team help you out. You don't need someone who can code. You don't need a designer. Uh, Swugo is easy to use uh, start to finish for your everyday event planner. And that's sort of the, the greatest part about it. Yeah, it's really interesting that you come from that side of it because as my role as editor of Events Industry News, get my words out, and obviously founder at Event Tech Live and the Event Technology Awards, we see some amazing technology, but most of the time, or some of the time, it's actually overcomplicated, too feature-rich, and, and is really hard for the events industry event organizers to, to wrap their head around because it would take so much time to kind of learn the platform, right? And, you know, things that work really well are generally the most simplest. You know, look at Google. It's a yeah. search box. You hit, you enter your term and you hit and you go and you're off. So it's great to hear that you guys come from that side of things. And I suppose that kind of brings us nicely on to the core part of what we're here to, to talk about today, which is your pivot um, quite quickly, actually, super quick to, to virtual or providing a platform in which your customers or prospects can actually use Swoogo to deliver their virtual events. So can you tell me a little bit about, I suppose, first, the decision process to go from not offering that to then offering a, a virtual solution? How did that come about? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the the decision to create what is actually going to be a new permanent product arm called Sugo Virtual, um, I guess creating a permanent product arm came a little bit later, but the decision to sort of pivot in this direction came uh, twofold, right? First, we saw what was happening you know, in the world surrounding COVID-19, uh, many events were being canceled, uh, event planners were sort of struggling to understand what their next steps were. Uh, and also, you know, on a more internal and more, uh, you know, close to home perspective, our customers were coming to us and saying, what do you recommend? What do we do? What's our next step? They, they often didn't even know where to start with virtual events. So, yeah. you know, we wanted to make sure not only, you know, that we had a great product, but also that we were really supporting the events industry. Uh, Leonora Valvo, again, our founder, has never 
uh, wanted to leave Event Planner Stranded, again, that's been her ethos the whole time, make things easy. So she knew that, you know, immediately we needed to start creating an easy to use virtual platform uh, that would support our existing customers and anyone else who was sort of floundering around not knowing where to go with virtual. Um, and that's what we created. We joke that it was, you know, 40 days to a fully imagined Sugo virtual since, wow. you know, events sort of started to get shut down. And, and what that started with was a pretty simple solution workaround, um, just sort of creating a place for virtual events to live within the existing Sugo product. But since then, uh, it's really blossomed into a really interesting feature set um, surrounding, you know, both the ease of importing data back and forth between streaming platforms and Sugo. Uh, and some security features that I'm excited to dig a little bit deeper in on. Uh, and now, you know, looking forward, even seeing if we can start to, to build out our own streaming platform. Yeah, I, I really like that, you know, picking up on what you said there about building on the existing technology, building the existing infrastructure that Swugo has, right? So you've, you've obviously been around for seven years, you've, you've built systems that are customized and delivered in the way that the event organizer wants them. Um, we we understand how important data and data structure is around registration and getting that important information in that you can then personalize your follow-up marketing, your agendas, your content for your for your attendees, and and just wrap that into your marketing. And what I've heard from some of the more virtual focused platforms that have come from virtual and not necessarily a physical side of things, um, is that they're not quite there at that point where they can offer um, the registration schema and and the way that event organizers want those participants to register for their events in the way that they need. Um, mm -hmm. So it's interesting to to see that you guys are building on you know successful existing technology and then leveraging virtual technologies to to really wrap that up in a in a powerhouse of of, of, of a platform. Yeah. Um, so what what virtual or what platforms have you guys partnered with, integrated with, connected up with to be able to offer that side of things, to offer the virtual element of it? Yeah. So uh, my favorite thing about our virtual solution is that it's actually streaming platform agnostic. So if you want to come to us and say, you know, my company is already using Zoom or GoToMeeting or Om24, uh, whatever you're using, we're happy to work it into our Swigo solution. Uh, and, you know, with that, obviously, we've built some stronger integrations, uh, Zoom being the one that sort of we worked on first, uh, and the upcoming one will be on 24. Uh, that being said, you know, we wanted to make sure that we weren't forcing event planners who are already in a time of a lot of tumult, right, trying to figure out an entirely new way to, to run events. We didn't want to force them to also learn a new streaming service, right? There's no sense mm. in that, you know, you're not getting anywhere if you're just trying to figure out how to unmute yourself on a platform you're not familiar with. Uh, so we wanted to make sure that it was so flexible that way. But, you know, truly, again, our Zoom integration uh, is really elegant. It's still sort of in a beta phase right now. But, you know, anytime this week, any day now, uh, that should be fully concrete. Uh, and our On24 integration is right on its heels. So we're excited about both. Obviously, those create sort of the most seamless data passage for our customers. But uh, any platform actually works and I wanted to get into this a little bit uh, more deeply with the security measures we put in place, mm -hmm. uh, which is something that our team felt really strongly about. Um, we had been seeing all the headlines that everyone has, you know, Zoom bombing and, you know, who's watching your meeting and who can get into it. And then we also had some interesting questions from our customers, which were more around, you know, my attendees pay per session. How do I keep attendees, uh, people who didn't pay out of those sessions? 
which was interesting. Of course, there's a solution to, you know, on their day of event page, only show specific sessions to certain people, but it didn't prevent link sharing and it didn't prevent things like uh, Zoom bombing or people being able to access your, your meetings sort of independently. So what we created was a sort of single sign-on option that actually reroutes any uh, streaming platform link into a Sugo link. So every time someone receives a streaming platform link, they are forced to come to Sugo, they're forced to sign into their registration, really gating events and sessions for all of our customers, making sure that people who they don't want in there can't get in. And then if you're using Zoom specifically, uh, even when you're redirected to Zoom and you try and pass that link to someone else, uh, you can't do it, which I think has been one of the coolest features that we've we've built so far into this Sugo virtual solution. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree. Um, I'd love to learn a little bit more how you did that in 40 days because that's impressive. Um, but, you know, speaking to organizers um, that I'm connected with, some of the things that you're covering off there are absolute fears or trepidations of theirs of like, how do we go about this, you know? Revenue protection is one thing, and I think the industry is trying to get their head around driving revenue through virtual events as a, as a whole. Yep. But if that revenue isn't protected because people can just access that information or access that content, then that makes it that much harder, right? Um, it, it almost becomes like the copy DVDs of the kind of like the 90s when everybody was yeah. around and nobody was going to the cinema. So it's great to hear that. And I think, you know, in the modern day that we live in, GDPR here in the UK and Europe and, and things that are coming into place in America, that security, that that extra level of protection and, and trust around yeah. the platform um, is where technology companies are really going to shine. And, and I know for a fact when it comes to security and also going back to your point about being agnostic to the platform that that organizer or a customer wants to use is, is super important. Um, I'm quite close to one of the largest exhibition organizers here in the UK and their process, which is, which is quite streamlined and, and a really great process for onboarding new providers, if that stuff's in, not in place, then it can be a 12 month process before they've got a new suite of technology in place for their, for their event organizers to use. So if they've already got an existing platform, there's no change management, there's no new learning of a platform. They can use, they've probably got that hooked up into other things like their sales and CRM systems and, and back office yep. and all that kind of stuff. So I can see how that play from your point of view is very powerful in, in allowing the um, adoption of your platform very, very quickly, right? It's, I mean, it's absolutely huge. I mean, from working with companies who are part of like big five consulting companies in the States, um, large media companies, the types of security measures that those businesses go through in order to choose their software partners, uh, they aren't quick. I mean, as you just pointed out, it can take, it can take months. We've seen it, uh, you know, as those customers have bought into our own platform, the types of sort of contract review and security measures that have to go into place. So imagine these types of companies trying to now, you know, pivot to a new streaming platform that requires you know, an additional level of, of, you know, due process to try and, you know, decide whether or not it's something that's going to be secure enough for their business, it would be insane. It would take months to get virtual events off the ground. And unfortunately, that's just, you know, time that planners don't have right now. So uh, being able to sort of remain a partner, regardless of what direction you want to go in with your streaming is just uh, so huge to us. Absolutely. Now, you did mention earlier in the conversation that there may be on the horizon Swoogo's own um, streaming service, right? What advantages 
do you see there for you as a business, but also for your customers in developing that yourself? Because most would say that's kind of crazy considering there are so many out there already doing it. Um, so, so kind of what's the strategy behind that and what are the benefits to, to customers and stuff? Sure. Uh, well, first of all, you know, everything we've ever done has sort of aired on the side of crazy. Uh, you know, it's uh, the event tech industry and event registration specifically is something that there just hasn't been a lot of boat rocking going on uh, since, you know, Leonora and Tim Cummins, her co-founder, sort of stepped onto the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're excited to sort of do something that sounds a little bit nuts. Uh, we do, we actually right now are focused entirely on virtual, our development team. And like I said, uh, or I touched on a little bit earlier in this conversation, we actually created a whole new arm called Sugo Virtual that's being led by Michael Sabani, who is previously our director of brand experience. Uh, so we have a, a focused team working on these products. So we are very excited that we're able to move on them so quickly. One of the sort of key advantages and and one that's always been central to Swugo is about branding uh, and white labeling. So Mm -hmm. when we join a Zoom meeting, uh, you know, you immediately lose the brand of the event, right? It's always going to look like Zoom. You can make incremental changes. Uh, On24 is a great platform for that. You can certainly bring in some of your brand colors and make things a little bit, um, you know, more uh, specific to your to your event. However, you know, that amount, the level of customization that's available through any of these platforms is just, uh, in our opinion, just not quite enough. Uh, We built Swugo around the idea that everything is branded. Swugo should not appear anywhere on your event. Uh, It's your event, your design, uh, your theme, your URL. Swugo is not even down at the bottom of the page, you can't find us. And we wanted to replicate that experience that you would see for a landing page for a live event uh, into this sort of virtual event experience. So by building our own player that you can actually sort of embed really directly into a Swugo site, we're able to preserve that brand identity uh, from what you saw when you landed on the landing page and when you registered all the way through to the day of your event. I think that's really important. You know, there are a lot of event agencies out there that want to leverage technology, but manage and control it themselves and and somewhat protect themselves from maybe their customer jumping ship and and sometimes kind of going off and and doing their own thing. Um, Let's be honest about that. But I think there's also, you know, when it comes to corporates, brands, and, and me as an event organizer, thinking about myself, you know, I might have sponsors, sponsorships. I'm I might have Zoom's competitor, I don't know, as a sponsor. Um, and, and could that um, element of that Zoom delivery technology there kind of get in the way of that, that, that relationship? I could absolutely see it. So, I yeah, I think, I think when it comes to revenue, again, sponsorship and, and brand identity, I can absolutely see how full control over how that visitor, how that attendee interacts and experiences that whole virtual event from end to end is, is super important. Are Absolutely. you, are you looking at the, that side of things as well? Are you looking at how Swugo and those platforms might be able to help organizers generate revenue from branding sponsorships, that kind of stuff? Cause I think that's one of the big questions at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of things, uh, just to touch on quickly, uh, you know, first of all, just to make sure that my uh, chief software developer doesn't kill me after this call, <laughs> I do want to say that this is a product that, uh, you know, our internal streaming product is something that is, you know, being worked on, being tested, being looked at. I don't want anyone to come to us and say, great, we're ready to stream via Swugo Virtual. Um, we're not there yet. So please bear with us. But it is something that's, you know, very directly on our horizon. 
Uh, you know, second of all, I think something you brought up is, you know, if one of my sponsors is uh, go to meeting, you know, I'm not going to be able to use a Zoom link, which was something we thought of immediately. And one of the coolest things about being platform agnostic is that you can actually use any of them and a mix of them in any event. So if you want your uh, keynote to be in go to meeting, but you want your um, sponsor sponsor pages to work through uh, Zoom booths, you're welcome to do that. You can use a mix and match of as many different platforms as you want to with our solution. Now, what I just talked about a little bit is how we're handling sponsors and exhibitors with this new solution, which mm -hmm. is the idea that you actually don't really have to change what a booth experience is like uh, when you bring it virtual. So what you can do is really easily land on a sponsor or exhibitor page. You can download any content they want you to have. And more importantly, you can click on a standing booth link, which just allows you to come in and, and chat with your sponsor or exhibitor the same way you and I are chatting now, uh, which is a great way to make sure that those uh, types of, of attendees have real uh, ability to connect with your attendees, not just, you know, a banner ad or not just a little downloadable PDF, but somebody can drop in and chat with them at any time, uh, which is just absolutely huge to make sure that we can continue running events that's, that way. It's how we've always done them. And what's really cool about the single sign-on feature is that when someone clicks on the link to come to your booth, let's say you're my sponsor, Adam, and they come to click and chat with you, uh, I'm now tracking everybody who came to that booth. So instead of needing to scan a QR code like you would at a live event, I've now collected all of that data as the event organizer, and I can pass that on to you as my sponsor or as my exhibitor, which is, is really key to proving uh, ROI for any of these uh, sponsors who might come to an event. Yeah, you know, I, I know you're an exhibitor yourself. I see you at industry trade shows and conferences and events. So I know that Swoogo fundamentally fully believe in face-to-face in -face as a value proposition to, to getting the brand and, and, and marketing the company out there. But that, that experience is clearly transitioned over into what would we see as value as a virtual exhibitor, right? And I actually think, you know, I come from a digital world. I, I you know, event industry news is digital. We don't have a physical publication. We, we, I think the most we print is like a business card every now and again. Um, <laughs> But we understand the power of digital and, and all the benefits. And I think the events industry is, is kind of slowly over the last, you know, being forced in some way, cutting on to, oh, actually, there's a lot more data, a lot more insight, a lot more follow up through things like retargeting and data capture and lead capture and dwell time and, and all that kind of stuff that can be then provided to the exhibition um, a sponsor or the exhibitor. And not only that, then when you actually position it as a, potential long-term cost saving and sustainability exercise you know you're a distributed team so are we at event industry news it would mean no travel no implication of cost of hotel and, and all that extra stuff that actually sometimes makes exhibiting at events too expensive right let's yep. be let's be honest about it traveling internationally sending your stand somewhere hotels food and beverage and all that other stuff that goes into um exhibiting events kind of sometimes take a lot of, takes a lot of the field out of being able to play at the game because of yep. it, it just you know the startups or new companies or they just don't have that budget to allocate whereas actually virtual um which can still work you know super well with face-to-face -face, has all these other advantages both financially and and trackability as well data insight yeah. and stuff so yeah. i don't know how you feel about that 
No, it's, it's absolutely huge for us. I mean, we've already seen an event, uh, one of our customers, I won't name them directly, already ran an event using our virtual solution, a fairly large one that they typically see, um, you know, over 10,000 attendees for, but this virtual version of it, they saw 30,000 attendees register for their event. Wow. Uh, so you can see pretty immediately that, uh, you know, by eliminating the need to travel or physically be somewhere, or take, you know, these full days away from your office or your home office, if you're Swugo, uh, you're able to uh, sort of generate so much more interest and be able to, to bring your content to so many more people, uh, which is huge. And of course, on the exhibitor side, you know, that that matters too. I mean, we come to Event Tech Live every year. I can say firsthand that m one of our largest costs is just travel and, and lodging yeah. for our staff. Um, so, you know, when you eliminate that, first of all, you're able to create so much more, right? Some of the materials that we could create, maybe we could have a better booth, uh, maybe we could have better videos, but yeah. but we can't think that, right? Because we're sending all this money down the drain of, of airline tickets. Yeah. So uh, in order to uh, sort of be able to make be able to make sure that's not a great sentence but in order to make sure that our exhibitors can sort of bring the best content to these online events first of all we needed to create places for them to live so hosting a video from youtube or, or wistia being able to host any sort of written or print documents uh, and have these live meetings i mean they can focus so much energy and money on creating beautiful content for those pages now uh, instead of focusing the energy on you know finding hotel rooms you know for their eight eight staff members so it's just so much uh, smarter and easier and frankly of course live events are coming back and of course we're all going to be back in our exhibitor booths hopefully sooner than later and we want that and we're hungry for it uh, but we also believe really strongly that this sort of virtual version of the event is something that can live you know not only as a standalone but as part of hybrid events going forward so that you do have the opportunity to bring in more sponsors and more exhibitors who might not be able to come to your event uh, but will always have a digital home alongside your event for attendees to uh, visit. Yeah and I just leading on from that, I think um, one of the things that events in the events industry has been doing, at least for the last decade, while I've been kind of at the heart of it, is talking about the the 365 day engagement platform. Right? It's the it's the unicorn of event organizers. How do we keep in touch with our prospects, our audience, all year round? And some do it with blogs, some do it with publications. Um, but very rarely it happens. And, and what tends to happen is, you know, people have forgotten about it for like seven months and then all of a sudden the social media chain starts up and the, and the email marketing kind of kicks off again. And, and a lot of the time people have moved on, they've changed, they've, you know, new people are in place and all that kind of stuff. And event organizers have struggled to kind of capture that information. And I think what virtual, one of the most powerful things that virtual, um, and you touched on it with, with being upload, able to upload content is, it's, it becomes evergreen content, right? Um, you know, we, we know that I think eight, 90 or 80% of YouTube content is actually historical content that's kind of like over a year old. Yeah. Um, it's all about discoverability. It's all about somebody coming across that content at that time. And I think virtual events with the evergreen ability allows the allows a lot more people to get involved and then funnel into that physical face-to-face -face event and then get all the value out of out of being in front of each other right um so are you are you kind of positioning that are you looking at your platform being something that can sort of sit there for 365 days for a customer and, and kind of pump that content out yeah absolutely so um i think one of the the interesting sort of uh, 
one of the cool things about Spugo is that we've always operated on uh, an annual license model for uh, our subscriptions. So anytime a customer comes to Spugo, they have Spugo for a year. It doesn't matter how many registrations they have, and it doesn't matter how many events they have live, which actually creates a really unique ability to, to create this event hub that sort of can sit there 365 days a year. You can continue to host your content there. You can have your library there. You can have last year's content there and it can it can remain live for as long as you want it to, uh, you know, up to a year, assuming you renew. But uh, what, what I think is really lovely about that is that, you know, I think one of the big conversations around virtual events is, you know, how do we get people to attend them live? How do we sort of make this more than YouTube content? How can we make this uh, more valuable than something I could Google and find a video for? Because as you and I both know, you can find a video uh, on pretty much any topic at this point. The internet is just drowning in content. There is a TED talk on every subject on the planet. So, you know, where is the divide and where is the line between what we do live and what we do post-show or what we can do uh, for attendees who couldn't make it in person? Uh, and I think, you know, as we're sort of discovering that line, we're realizing that, you know, once you have, you know, registered and paid for my event, there's very little point in making you sit here at two o'clock on a Tuesday. Uh, I don't know what's going on with, you know, your kids or, or you have a meeting or you've yeah. got an investor coming in. We don't know. So by all means, like once, once you've decided you want our content, there's no, there's really no harm in saying, okay, now you can access it whenever you want to, yeah. um, which is amazing. And it's something we're actually learning from. Uh, like online courses that have been around for a long time that I think people maybe didn't really consider or take advantage of, but things like Coursera or we see Harvard Online a lot at the U in the U.S. Uh, these sort of course streaming platforms that have actually cornered this, and it's it's strange to me that the events industry didn't come on faster uh, to this, but we're excited to be able to support the events industry as they move this way, um, and I think. You know, one of the, the core reasons to do it with a platform like Swugo instead of, you know, going to a Coursera or just having a YouTube or a Wistia library is that as we're talking about hybrid events uh, and as we're talking about events becoming live again, all that data you're getting from uh, people who are watching this historical content is now centralized. So your live event and your virtual event data is all in the same place, living happily for your marketing uh, as you move into next year's event. And I think that's uh, one of the, the coolest things we can offer is, yeah, you have this hub, you have the historical content, people can browse at their leisure yeah. and you're, you know, you're capturing them the exact same way you would capture a live event attendee. Yeah, absolutely. I think when I think about my, my own personal self, I, I don't really want to admit this, um, but I always look into my screen time and, and think about myself as consumer of content and I think YouTube said now I will I will preface this with I have an eight-month-old son who loves a <laughs> channel called Hey Bear so part of this is him but um I spent 44 hours on YouTube in the last month oh my gosh that's a lot of YouTube now, yeah now that now, and that's not including Netflix and other I I consume content online that's that's what I do I, I like to learn about home baking crafts you know that kind of stuff um, so I watch a lot of like how-to videos mm -hmm. and that's what the events industry is. It's we're, we're putting on events with speakers telling you how to do stuff, right? Um, now the interesting thing is that when I watch a YouTube video, apart from Google being able to let advertisers kind of retarget me, which is whatever, I can, I can even kind of stop that and limit that. Um, I'm not giving anything to that um, content producer, that, that guy who, or girl who spent all that time producing that content that I've enjoyed. I'm not giving my email address unless I might, maybe they've got something for me to sign up to, but there's, there's, there's a huge gap in, in kind of value exchange, right? Whereas yeah. event organizers are coming in from a totally different perspective. They know how to get value exchange. They've done that for years. 
And now with technology and platforms like yours, they're able to kind of switch that onto online, capture the attention of Adam Parry, who spends 44 hours a month on, you know, online, and even use platforms like YouTube and other platforms to kind of like maybe just tease out a little bit of content as that, as that lead into kind of come on, you know, here's a, here's a freebie. Now, if you enjoyed this, come and enjoy like the other 80 plus hours of content that I've got as part of my virtual and physical event. Totally. Anytime you want, whenever you want. And I think that's super, super powerful. So, you know, for you guys to be able to be building upon what you kind of got already founded and obviously being used uh, around the world in terms of getting people to sign up for face-to-face events and market to them. I, I would be super excited if I was sat in, in, in your shoes about what the possibilities are now for, for Swoogo to help event organizers, event producers kind of leverage digital and virtual as, as, a, as a marketing, as a revenue stream, as, as just engagement. It's, yeah. It must be super exciting. Yeah, no, we really are extremely excited. Uh, I think, you know, one of the things that we've noticed as we came into this virtual space is uh, the proclivity of event organizers to engage with platforms that feel more like live events. I'm mm-hmm. trying to say that in a way that isn't going to, you know, strike a, a wrong chord with anyone. But realistically, you know, we have a strong opinion on this, which is, you know, we're so focused on creating live content that you have to show up for on time. Uh, and then you sit on this video that looks like, you know, some expo halls lobby and it's got like a weird screen on it and it's just I mean I get it right we want to create we want to recreate a familiar experience uh, and that's where we gravitate uh, towards but realistically that's not how we consume content online we consume content online on our time Uh, it doesn't involve uh, like a 3d second life event space Um, we just we just you know interact the way we interact with a youtube video or a a ted video and uh, i'm excited that swugo is now sort of pushing that vision towards event organizers who maybe hadn't considered that you don't need to cling quite so strongly to sort of the old version of what an event looks like if it's online that's you know uh, as our uh michael savani our our director of swugo virtual pointed out you know he sees his mom who's 75 FaceTiming his son who's five. So you've got this range of people who are all digital natives, right? We live on the internet and we consume content in a way that is internet first. So, you know, this, this need to sort of push um, a very live experience onto event attendees is it's just non-existent. There's no one who can't manage the virtual experience, which is really cool. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you. We don't go to Netflix and um, they're trying to replicate a cinema, right? They don't, like they don't try and, yeah. yeah, they don't try and fake it. You know, some people have got cinemas at the house so that would be really awkward it would be like inception but yeah you you're right you know they they don't focus on the experience because the experience is a, is a special thing and, and and i think somewhat as an industry we should be protective of that we shouldn't necessarily be trying to replicate that online because that's what makes face-to-face face-to-face events special when you walk right. into a room and there's that kind of that buzz that electric and the atmosphere that's never going to be replicated online no. so what we should focus on is is great content in an engaging way. You see, I think personally, there's, there's more work for event organizers and, and speakers to be done around production value when it comes to virtual events. Lighting, sound, sound is probably more important than video, right? Yep. And you know, what are the, spe- are the speakers, are they learning the transition from face-to-face to virtual? Because when, there's some social norms. When we walk into a, a hall or a conference room, we respect the speaker on stage, we keep quiet, we turn our phones off. There's, there's kind of social norms that kind of control that environment somewhat. 
when it comes to online, there are no social norms. I'm going to check my email. I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to put myself on mute. I'm going to get distracted. I'm going to go and pet the dog. Do you know, there's all these kind of things that would actually make it a real challenge for speakers to make sure that they keep the attention of their things. Yep. So I think the technology is one, one aspect of it. And, you know, that's going to be made super easy by companies like yourself who are doing all the hard work and the legwork for, for event organizers. I think more of their focus should go on to, um, learning more about digital and learning more about how great YouTube stars keep people coming back in their millions upon millions upon millions each month with yep. no email addresses. I mean, yeah. that's, the, that's the great thing, right? So, you know, if you're listening to this and you're kind of worried about the tech, just ring Molly and Swoogo and they'll take care of that bit for you. Go, spend your time learning on, on kind of like the virtual and the physical kind of differences and, and what makes sense. I, I, I do, Adam, yeah, before we wrap up too much, I did want to throw this out there though, because we've been talking a lot about content um, and obviously content and content that has longevity uh, is super important to the solution. Uh, but I did, I know you also just quickly said, you know, you can't replicate a, a show floor. You can't, uh, you're absolutely right. You'll never get that buzz. But uh, one of the things we've been thinking about a lot at Spugo is, you know, what's missing from virtual events that makes it different from just a uh, sort of a content hub. And uh, what we love about live events is serendipity. Yep. So the ability to run into anyone when you're getting coffee or just bump into an old colleague who's standing with someone else uh, and sort of meeting people who you wouldn't normally meet. Uh, so, you know, just to quickly touch on that with one of the things we believe in really strongly is that with sort of the advanced registration process, you can push attendees through via Spugo uh, and things like unlimited conditional logic that allow you to ask so many uh, good pertinent questions. You can actually create more robust attendee matching uh, and create really interesting sort of serendipitous experiences uh, as the organizer, you can you can generate those for your attendees. So um, that's a piece, you know, of, of what you can create with Spugo that only occurs when it's live so that doesn't exist for your sort of uh, living content hub it's a good mm -hmm. reason for your attendees to come to your event on your day of event and it's a good way to replicate sort of what's missing why do I pay to go to an event it's not honestly to watch the speakers a lot of the time even though I get a lot of great information out of that um, like we said the content lives online so uh, being able to sort of meet people who you wouldn't normally meet or run into someone unexpectedly or just be randomly paired with somebody randomly obviously using data from the event organizer uh, is a huge opportunity for all of these planners to come in and create that live experience at their virtual events so i just wanted to make sure that you know we're sort of reiterating that we're not just creating like another youtube over here and while that's a cool aspect of it yeah. uh, that we love you know we are also really thinking about what makes it sort of a an event that you would pay for, right? What makes it a live event that you actually were really rearing to go to on, on the day of? So we've got both sides covered. Uh, just wanted to make sure that was clear too. No, no, I'm, I'm super glad you, you, you got that in there because, um, you know, thinking about, again, my own experiences from industry events and events that are kind of a little bit further outside of, of, of the events industry, some of the biggest value I've got of connections that I've made that we don't do business together. We don't, we, I don't, you know, give them marketing dollars. They don't give me marketing dollars. There's, there's no, there's no exchange of, of business there, but they are highly valuable to me because they are sources of inspiration and information and networking and content and discussion about, you know, things that can't necessarily take place online. They have to take place kind of in confidence and, you know, people like Nick Borelli and Will Curran and, and, and kind of some of those event industry kind of people that you see at the forefront of stuff. I can remember meeting them at IMAX and, 
it wasn't a, a speaking session. It was kind of like at one of the drink networking things or I, I can't even remember if it might have been the smoking area. Um, so maybe we, that's something we'll have to replicate as well. <laughs> <laughs> like, we'll figure so, that out next. <laughs> I tell you what, I, I'm, 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 maybe this is something you're already looking at. What I would love to see um, is that element of events that happens, which is about that serendipity, but it's about the people that are, is it the seven... Um, I can't remember what the, the, the analogy is, but like, let's say it's, I know you and you know somebody that would connect well with me. It's like Adam has recommended Molly and David speak. Like totally. recommendations, quite powerful, right? Because I trust you and Dave trusts me and, uh, and vice versa. And somebody saying that you should speak to somebody make, forces you into a position where you do talk to them. Yeah. And those are the really powerful connections as well. So, so maybe that's something that Swoogo or another company will kind of develop is that, you, oh, I see that these people are attending and I know both of them, but they don't know each other. So they should speak, yeah. like do like a little nudge or a, a push yeah. connection kind of thing. That's such a good point. And, you know, it's not something that we have on the horizon right now, but, you know, I'm sure our product team will listen to this after and maybe take your advice. But, you know, another thing that, you know, we've always sort of believed in is is sort of sticking to what we do at our core and doing it really well, which I know sounds funny when we're talking about a new virtual arm. But, you know, at the end of the day, it is still very much Swoogo. We haven't changed much about the product to make it happen. Yep. Uh, but what, you know, Leonora Valvo believes in is sort of creating these connections with other companies and creating really seamless integrations and partnerships, we call it the Event Tech Tribe, yep. uh, that allow our attendees to sort of uh, move through these different pieces of, or not attendees, allow our customers to move through these different pieces of software uh, in a way that feels really native and their data moves through it that feels really native. So, you know, maybe someone else, a nice a partner will come along who's doing that because I think you're right. That is like a huge piece of, of attending these live events and maybe one day we'll be able to get them uh, in the tribe with us, which would be really exciting. Yeah. So um, one of the matchmaking companies jump on it first right reach out to, to molly if you're if you're not already doing <laughs> that, already working with them there's a there's a million dollar suggestion for you <laughs> the, the friend suggestion um, i'm sure somebody's probably already thought of it or, or kind They're of on it at the moment and and your dev team i know they say that they, 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 you'd say that they, if you said it was coming out tomorrow they, they they'd kick off but you know they like to tell everybody that it takes longer than it actually does <laughs> right <laughs> Molly, what, what does the future of events look like for you as a company? You know, for, for us in the UK, there's not so much a horizon of face-to-face face, face -face just yet. Um, the focus is on, on kind of virtual and leveraging that. What, what do you see as a company? What, what, does, they, what does it look like post-COVID-19? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said, we're, we're not sure when that's coming. It's, it's tough to pinpoint it. We've heard recommendations, everything from, you know, fall of this year to fall of next year when we might be able to have live events again. So for us, you know, the focus just has to be on, you know, improving these, these digital experiences to the point that you don't miss that face-to-face. -face. And I mean, we're talking about uh, things as far reaching as, you know, do we ship uh, every attendee in an event a, a VR headset and use virtual reality in our events? I mean, we have, uh, we've looked at every angle and we're going to continue to do that because, yeah. you know, the horizon is, is far off. 
Uh, and when it comes, we know that we'll continue to look at hybrid events and that, you know, the impact of these virtual events is going to be lasting. I think uh, planners will have gotten good at it <laughs> and they have, will have seen how to create revenue from virtual and they will have seen how to bring their content to larger audiences via virtual. And I just, I think after we've sort of gone down this route, it'll be hard to go back. Uh, it's It's the same uh, thing as we've seen with with a distributed company, you know, we just couldn't imagine being in an office at this point. And yeah, you had to sort of reinvent the wheel in order to to make that happen in a way that worked really well. Um, but after that wheel was reinvented, you know, why why pay for the lights when we can all just work from from home? So um, it's it's interesting, and we think that that same effect will happen to events. We'll see more virtual events going forward. Uh, we'll see more hybrid events going forward. And in the meantime, uh, we're just going to be over here working as fast as we humanly possibly can to sort of create a more robust, uh, more valuable solution for, for all of our customers and for the industry as a whole. Yeah, I, I, I reflect that, that thought process as well. I think actually a lot of event organizers are going to realize that as well as face-to-face, -face, virtual events can actually mean a lot more opportunity for them, both as growth of business, growth of audience, but, but growth of revenue, because the one thing that unfortunately we can't create more of is hours and minutes in the day. Um, and when we're physically somewhere building an event, de-rigging it at the event, that, that time is locked in, but actually that face-to-face -face event could be happening with 10 virtual other events happening at the same time, right? Yep. So I think um, slight change in skill set, and, and I'm sure this was coming anyway, um, it was just a case of this this lit a fire under the under everybody to to kind of adapt and yeah and their skill sets quicker right it's true I mean and we've we've seen that prediction before I think Leonora would be the first to tell you that you know she's sort of steered event tech companies over a few crises that you know caused events to stop but uh, we're also the first to say this is the first time we've seen them have to pause for so long. Um, mm -hmm. And so instead of just having a couple of reactionary virtual events that we sort of slap together and say, okay, we did that, thank God, live is back. Um, we're sort of in this position where we're forced to learn, we're forced to take our time, we're forced to really um, create these experiences in a way that is, is more than a webinar and more than we've ever tried before. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this is, you know, we've seen, you know, okay, well, maybe people are all going to switch to virtual events after this before. It's never happened. I think that, I think that this could be uh, a really interesting uh, pivot time just because, you know, there's, there is going to be so much learning that happens. And, and that's why Swoogle Virtual is now permanent for us. You know, we think that there's no way that this can go away entirely, even when live events are back, which of course, we'll all be thankful for, but we want to be prepared for, you know, whatever the future of events looks like at all times. Yeah, there's there's no chance of face-to-face -face events disappearing. If you look at the virtual world, let's look at gaming, online gaming, they're, they, they're coming from a virtual world into a physical world and creating <laughs> esports and, and, and yep. physical infrastructure where their, their audiences, their fans can come and connect up with them because there's so much value in that. Yep. Um, so yep. it's, it's not going anywhere. No, Molly, we're never worried for, for the events industry. It's strong and it's always going to be here. We love live events. We are, we, are, we are an industry that supports every other possible industry or sector that you could, you could ever think of. So unless they all disappear, we ain't disappearing. That's, totally, that's, that's the fact exactly. of it. Molly, for those that are interested in, in learning more about Swoogo, the virtual event platform, or even just connecting up with yourself, how do they go about doing that? Where do they go? Where can they find you? 
Yeah, absolutely. So you can always visit our site at get.swugo.com. And, you know, we've got our whole page on virtual there and feel free to connect with our sales team uh, via our homepage. Uh, You can also uh, connect with me directly. Again, my name is Molly Falco. It is scary to put your email address out on a podcast, but I would like to create an open invite for anyone to connect with me. Uh, So you can always reach me at mfalco at swugo.com. Oh, don't worry about that. I have my email address on the internet and I still, I survived. I don't worry. Yeah, just don't send any hate mail. <laughs> um, for anybody listening, if you've enjoyed today's content, please do reach out to, to Molly and the team at Swuga. They are fantastic um, individuals and an organization that are really helping the industry move forward when it comes to technology. If you enjoyed today's podcast, also give us a rating if that is what you would like or share it with your network if they if you feel that they would um, get value from listening in or watching as well. Um, Molly, thank you very much for joining me on today's podcast and um, we'll speak soon. Yeah, thank you, Adam. It's great talking to you. Mm-hmm.